right, let's saddle up and let's ride. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. I'm asking, Lord God, for what only you can bring, and that is the anointing that crushes yokes, open eyes, calls lame to walk, deaf to hear, Lord God, burdens to melt away. Father, we ask it in your name. Thank you. Thank you. I want to, I'm going to read here out of, I said, the Passion Translation. I like how he puts this. I want to begin reading verse 12 of John. And to the title of this morning's message being Friend Day is just simply friends. Friends. I'm going to talk to you about my friend, and if you're a child of God, your friend, which is the Lord. John 15, verse 12. So this is my command, Jesus, speaking to his disciples. These are some of the final words and a final meeting he's going to have with his disciples. How many know that this, this conversation is important? So this is my command. Love each other deeply. As much as I have loved you. I don't know about you, but that's been my prayer. God, let me love others as much as you've loved me. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. This great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I have never called you servants. Because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything that I have heard from my father. You, don't, you did not choose me. But I have chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting commandment. Whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Someone you know and someone you have a mutual bond of affection with. It can also mean a person who you're in good terms with. You have friendly relations, many times referring to different countries. We have friendly relations. It is a person who gives assistance. It is a person who is your ally within a struggle or a cause. That's what a friend definition of it is. It also can mean one who is not hostile toward the other. To be a friend is not to be hostile. Those individuals that are hostile, you don't always want to spend a lot of time with, do you? You kind of want to separate a little bit and get some distance and screen your calls and divert in the Walmart aisles. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, the ones that just suck the life out of everything. Those that are angry at the world that when the doctor spanks them when they were born, they never got over it. Just always mad. Hostile. We don't always befriend folks like that. 
But I want you to see here that in the Hebrew or the, or the biblical definition of this word friend that Jesus uses here. He says this word literally means beloved. Beloved. You are ones who are dearly, radically, and emphatically loved if you are a child of God. It is a friend, someone dearly loved, someone dearly prized in a personal, intimate way, held as a dear, close friend. It conveys having an experience, a relationship. Andrew has already said it, and I'll just say it again, and it's something we repeat repetitively. That's usually what you do on repeat. You get repetitive with your repetition. Good word usage. See, it's not religion that we're interested in. Now, I, I'm religious in a lot of things. I religiously take a bath every Saturday if I need it or not. You know, there's, there's, there's things that I, if I don't do it, I get in trouble. I religiously make the coffee in the morning so, or in the evening so it'll be ready in the morning. Amen. But in order to build strong relationships, I bathe <laughs> and I make the coffee. But see, it's not religion that we're after, nor was it religion Christ was after. It was a relationship. It was an intimate, personal relationship that he wants with every single individual. See, in order to accomplish that, he had to bring us to, to Amos 3 and 3. Can two walk together unless they have agreed? See, it wasn't God that was hostile towards us. It was us who were hostile towards God. It was the Lord that came down in the garden after sin had been partaken of. And the Lord was there looking for Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? It wasn't the Lord hiding. It was Adam that was hiding. See, because all of a sudden he went from an alignment with God to an alienation with God. God didn't change, nor will he ever change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. Sin did not change God. Sin changed man. Put him in hostility towards his creator. So what we have here, a person whom one knows is the definition of friendship. And see, the word of the Lord tells us in 1 John that he came, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Understand, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. The creator stepped into the known, seen world that we live in, and the world didn't know him. The Bible says that he came to his own, his own, his covenant people, whom John declared... The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John the priest that we'll get back to next week. But John the priest said, there he is. All the sacrifices that have taken place. Here is the fulfillment of all sacrifices. To end all other sacrifices. This is the one. The Lamb of God that takes away 
the alienation and the hostility and all the regret and the sin. It is him. But they didn't know him. Thus they didn't receive him. But there's hope. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become slaves of God. Marginalized individuals of God. Limited people that could just do a little bit. No, he brings us into the fold. He brings us into the family, opens the door and says, there's your bedroom, there's the kitchen table. Come on in. You're my child. You belong to me. Mm, sons, daughters of God, to those who believe. How do we receive? We've got to believe in him, not in me, in him. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but you're born of God. You're born of the will of God. As we look here, I want you to notice this. Mutual. Mutual. We were not in agreement with God. Can two walk together unless they have agreed? Today, we're going to have hot dogs. Praise the Lord. I like hot dogs. I like them so black. I know we may not get black. I like them so cr they're crunchy. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 just burn them. Burn them. But if I came a little bit earlier than her, so I brought my vehicle, she brought hers. And if we had agreed to go to China Buffet, and she ended up at Chicken Express, and I ended up at Sonic, we'd be in close proximity, but we wouldn't be in agreement. See, we would, we would say we're going to do something, but when it came right down to it, she ended up one place and I ended up at the other. Or maybe she just goes on to China Buffet and, and I end up at, Chick, at uh, Chicken Express. Then all of a sudden, our, our togetherness is not together anymore. But you know what? If we got in the same car and I'm driving and she's in the passenger seat, we're going to end up in the same spot. <laughs> Amen? Folks, let me tell you a, a little uh, secret about your walk with God. Get in his vehicle, let him drive, and he'll take you where you need to go. You get out of the driver's seat and you get in the passenger seat. Now, see, in order for us to walk with God, we've got to come in agreement with him. We were in disagreement with him and though we were unfaithful, he remains faithful. When we are faithless, when we have no faith, he still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Now, who is he, this Christ we speak of? So glad you ask. He is God of God and he is man of man. It's, under, it, it's important we understand this. Colossians 1 and 15. He is the divine portrait. He's the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. Who is Jesus? 
He is God. If you want to see the Father, look to Jesus. If Jesus said, my yoke is easy, then the Father's yoke is easy. If he says, my burden is light, then the Father's burden is light. It is on the commission of the Father that Jesus came to rescue us and bring us in to sonship. Not slavery, sonship. Oh, don't you love that text we started out with? You know how you clarify a slave from a son? Obedience, yes. But it, isn't it also the qualification of knowing him? Intimacy with the Lord? When I begin to understand who he is and what he's made me to be, all of a sudden it, it, it goes out of religion and we step into relationship and this thing doesn't become drudgery. It's not just a card that we punch and hoping that we have all that we need when we get to the end. But it's a life of relationship. And I'm so looking forward to stepping over into that place of glory one day. But my earnest prayer to God is, Lord, let me capture as many as I can while I'm here. So we look and we see. We have no problem with Jesus being God of God. The early church had a much more difficulty in, com in combating in fact first John is all about the Antichrist and denying Jesus is actually God just declaring him just a man we have the opposite issue we see him as God but we have a much more challenging position in receiving him as human he's God of God and he's man of man. Paul tells the church at Galatia, For when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I see. We must embrace Jesus Christ as God. Like I said that, God. That gives it authority. Just teasing. If <laughs> those of you who don't know him, he's like, he's lost his mind. But he's also man of man. He was born human. He lived human. He died human. And he rose human. So when we talk about being seated at the right hand of the Father, what we understand is if we died with him because he was a human, then we also rose with him because he was human. And we are also seated with him because he's human. He's God of God and he's man of man. Are we hearing today? See, if you don't get this, then you don't understand the gospel. If you don't understand this, then you're going to live a limited, limited victorious life. You're lim the, there's going to be a limit, a ceiling on how far you can walk with God. And he said, I'm lifting the limits. Now, how is this even possible? To bring us into agreement, he had to become what he was not this is the part of the gospel I 
concern that too many times we leave out. Now, in second, understand what we're talking about is God wants to be friends with you. In fact, it is his purpose that you understand you are loved. He wants to be an intimate friend with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to experience him. He wants to live life with you. He wants you to know what he knows. He wants you to feel what he feels. His desire is to share life with you. My God, that is good news. Then I'm not in this thing alone. Doesn't matter to him how low the valley is, he's always there. It doesn't matter how high the peaks are, he's already going to meet me there. It doesn't matter the struggle that I'm in right now because, my God, there's not a furnace hot enough that's going to turn him away. He'll just be waiting there with me when I step off into it, and he's going to free me of whatever's holding me back. So what we see in order to bring us into agreement. He's like, come on, Mike, get in my car. I'll do the driving. I don't know, Lord, I just, you know, I walk. No, I want you to get the car. Go with me. But see, we became what we were never meant to become, humanity. We became what we were never meant to become. God never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be the same. He does not reconcile to us, and nor would I want him to. I don't want a God who reconciles to my truth, my thing, my deal, my bondage. No, he's not good with all that. No more than I'm good with any one of my children or my grandchildren living in bondage, living in fear, living in sin. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can. This father, this grandfather is going to channel every bit of my energies toward their deliverance and their freedom. And I'm not stopping until they're completely and entirely free. And I will say to you, as a shepherd over the house of God, it is the passion of the Lord Almighty that he is going to come after everything that keeps you in bondage. And what the Bible declares, uh, the definition of that is called wrath. That wrath is not aimed at you. That wrath is aimed at what is afflicting you. It is what is keeping you in bondage. It is what is keeping you from your full potential in the Lord. That's why. We can declare if there's anything, what can be against us? Hundred and fifty-two. Now, I personally have never jumped out of a perfectly good plane. I don't, I don't know about the mental state of those that do. Okay. He knows I'm kidding. He's my friend. <laughs> we have mutual affection. We know each other. But see, 
I can talk about jumping out of a plane. I can watch people jumping out of the plane. But I've never experienced it. I don't know what it means to jump out of an airplane. You see what I'm saying? You can have knowledge of something and not know through experience. He did not have the experience of sin. If he did, the deal is off. We have no hope for a future. We have no hope. Our past will still be our past, and we have no future to look forward to. But we know that death had no hold upon him and sin had no hold upon him because he rose again on the third day. If he stayed in the tomb like every other deity professed in the world, let me tell you, Muhammad did not get up. Buddha did not give up. get up. Krishna did not get up. They're still in a grave somewhere. But my God Almighty, he went to the grave and he rose again on the third day. See, he didn't know sin. He didn't know sin. But the Bible says that he that knew no sin, he became the very thing that he was not. In order that we may become the very ones we are not. See, the cross, see, the cross Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life so that you can find it. Die to self so you can live to God. See, the, the invitation to the cross is not a punishment. It's the prize. See, when we come to God and he says, anybody that would lose their life, they're going to find it. But if you find your life, you keep holding on to it, you're going to lose it. You're never going to find the freedom, the joy, the hope, the peace, the rest, the, the confidence, the, what you need in God. See, we look at it from the seen side, and we see the punishment, and we think going to the cross means more punishment for me. No, it doesn't mean any more punishment for me. It means liberation. What it means is the old man dies, and the new man gets up. The old man dies and the new man gets up. The old man is dead. The shame, the remorse, the insecurity is dead. And any time that I'm being reminded of who I was, I just go back to the cross and say, no, no, that's who I am. I, in fact, I don't even go there. I go to the chair. I say, no, that's who I am. I'm at rest in God. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. This is the beautiful part about the message of the good news of Jesus. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. If you don't have in Christ at the end of that passage, you've missed the whole point. You can only have righteousness in him. He speaks righteousness over you, and he imparts righteousness to you. 
That word righteousness, if you don't believe me, just do a lexicon search on it. Just put up that passage of Scripture, 2 Chronicles, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Lexicon in your Google search engine. It's going to take you to Bible Hub, pick it up, pull it up, and you're going to find a word that is so beautiful, that is so liberating. Because righteousness is not just acting moral, because, folks, uh, morality will not produce righteousness. Righteousness will always produce morality. It's not something we earn. It's something we are given. Just like we're given salvation, just like we're given the Holy Spirit, just like we're given healing, just like we're given faith, God gives us righteousness. And the beauty of that definition that will transform the ears of the hearer that actually hear what I'm saying that word literally means you are as you ought to be. You are divinely approved. You have been declared accepted before God in Christ. Are you hearing me? In Christ. See, so he became... Well, he was not. What's happening to my microphone? Y'all getting tired and ready to eat a hot dog? Come on. See, he became what he was not. He became the sin. He became the hurt and the shame. He became the victim of a suicide family. He became the child. The, the, he bore upon his body all of the sins of the world, every bit of them. He became everything that he was not. So that church, you and I could become what we were not. How do we receive that? Well, we just lose who we were, we gain who we are. We lose who we were, we gain who we are. We lose who we were, gain who we are. Lose who we were, gain who. Come on, guys, you missed your cue. I left you space between the chairs. Could you imagine with me just for a moment if you stopped trying to work towards something that has already been done? Why did God rest on the, on the seventh day? He was wore out. No, he rests because it was finished. The work was complete. You work on your day off? No. You got your check. You're gonna wait till the you're gonna wait till the next day of work day. You're gonna rest. Or you're gonna finish the honeydews. Either way, it's rest. You know what I'm saying? You get grown children, then they get the whole list of honeydews for you too. Daddy dues, yeah, that's what we call them. What if you stop trying to be accepted? And just accept acceptance. What, what if you just, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, I can't say that enough, in Christ, in Christ. You know how I get to where he's going? I get in the same vehicle he's going. I, I, I ride with him. I let him. I just, Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. Come on. Some of you need to say, Jesus, take the wheel. But see, if you are sourcing your own salvation, you're going to end up in the ditch every time. 
if you what do I mean by that if righteousness is depending upon what you're able to do and how you're gonna source it you're never going to live a victorious life but how do I know if I'm sourcing my own salvation I have to have the validation I have to have the praises and approval somebody else is always to blame for the reason why I'm insane I've just I got to get this I, I got I got this thing all over me and I've got to work for it because I'm a man that's what men do. Tough. Let me tell you, you can work all day long, but perfection cannot. I love that little course we sing. Perfection can't get it done. Lord, when you come to the revelation that, hey, I don't want any credit for this thing. There is no boast left in me. I'm a dead man. And when I died, my, my regret died. My insecurity died. My, my victimization died. My orphan spirit died. Oh, I'm not a poor beggar anymore. I'm a child of the king. That's all we're asking. That's all we're looking for. We're looking to infuse you with the glory and the power and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to come alive and heal my. Whew. Or you can keep working for it. You can just keep on keeping on and end up at the same place. You always end up with that agonizing rejection because you just get little breaths of praise it just kind of fuels you for a minute oh there's such liberation there's such liberty in the house of God when the people begin to understand that I'm already approved I don't have to work for approval why do I'm not afraid of man anymore it's because my God has made me approved in him why am I intimidated by the circumstance because my Lord has it all under control I'm approved of God Now, we walk in the light. This is the message which we have heard from him. And declare to you, John is speaking, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In other words, there's no disapproval. There is no shame. There is no regret. There is no guilt. There's no sin. No darkness. He never questioned why did he sleep in the storm because he wasn't a, he wasn't afraid of the storm. Why did he sleep in the storm because he knows who he is, and all he's asking is you would understand who you are by the grace of God. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, what is that darkness? It's false image. It's acting like and behaving like something other than God. It comes from a lack of understanding of who God has made you to be. How did he make you to become righteous? By becoming the unrighteousness that you are, he brought you into a place of approval so that you can be as you ought to be in Christ. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. 
Now you ask, what is that like? My God, y'all are asking good questions. Y'all are so far ahead of me. What is that light? Let's define darkness. Darkness is an alienated mind from humanity's mindset bearing an image that's not God. What is darkness? Bearing an image that is not God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And not Anything that was made, I've always changed that too. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, same was the beginning with God. All things were made by the Word, without the Word, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life. Life. Zoe. Life. Self-existing. All life. And that life is the light of men. What is the light? It's that dawning aha moment when you understand who you are in Christ. Some of you, I know you got hot dog on the brain. Stay with me just for a moment. I'm, I'm really going to draw to a close. See, when you come to the revelation that everything I need to do has already been done in here. When I come to the revelation that I am already accepted and I will never be rejected in him. That there's a much better way that doesn't include my self-effort. It's already done. There's no religious practices. There's nothing that you can, you can, host, you can host the Passover to your dying day and it's not going to save you. You could get in the baptistry tank and you can get dippy-dunked over and over and over and over again, but it's not going to save you. We don't take anything from those things because we understand the imagery that should point us always and forever back to Christ. But once we come to Christ, the work is complete. There's nothing more need be done. It's already done. All we have to do is accept it. And now from that acceptance, we don't go back into the bondage of sin. Why would we? We are not that sinner anymore. We are saved and sanctified with God. We are holy and we are walking in agreement with the living God. And I don't know about you, but that's awfully good news to me it's good news we're living in a world right now that's trying to redefine an entire generation telling our children there's something other than what they are because who you are is not good enough God, I say no you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God took great efforts in creating you. Some of you are sitting here right now and you have gone, literally have lived this life as been a living hell. You've been abused as a child. You've contemplated suicide. You've afflicted yourself with all kinds of self-medication. You still can't find relief. 
Let me introduce you to who you are called to be. He's not the example for you. He's the example of you. His name is Jesus. And see, if you'll just believe. See, it doesn't matter. I could preach till my eyeballs popped out of my head. I could preach so hard till I had blood dripping down my out of my ears. I could preach, yes, it's gross. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to sway their appetite, or maybe mine. See, I could declare to you, just like the Lord has declared it to you, the good news. And it wouldn't matter. Not a single iota. The gospel will not change you unless you believe it. When you believe it, you'll see it. And you'll transform. I understand some of your struggles. I don't understand them all, but I do understand some of your struggles. And I say to you, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you. If I could scare you into the kingdom of God, I would be over to your house tonight, scratching on your windows. The guy I worked with one time, and they were messing with him, and I didn't do this. I'm not that smart. They hooked into his radio next to his workstation. Jim, his name was Jim. This is God. <laughs> don't do that. As funny as it sounds, don't do that. But you know, it's the goodness of God brings man into repentance. It's his goodness. He didn't have to say me, but he did. Best friend growing up. We started running around together. We were walking to school. You know, the days you could walk to school. Seeing this grade schooler, he and I would start walking to school together. His name was James. You know, we started running with each other. We started playing ball together. We started, we, we grew up together. He was my best friend at my wedding. He was my best running buddy. Best friend I ever had. God saved me, rescued me. James didn't make it. He drove to his death one night and leaving a bar. Didn't been many a nights we left ours. Many a time that we got so wasted, we didn't know how we got home. We'd already buried his brother at 16 because he laid down on the road drunk one night and a car ran over him. And now here's James, he's dead. See, it could have been me. Could have been you. But grace is reaching out to you right now to say, Stop! Come. See to the goodness I have for you. God is saying to you, I'm not your enemy. I want to be your intimate friend. I want to walk with you. I want to talk.
talk with you. I want to share life with you. Can't you see that my Father will not withhold any good thing because He gave me so that you could come into relationship with Him? Worship team, make your way up today. Somebody's life is about to change. Somebody's life, I'm telling you, I know like I know my name. Somebody's life is about to change. Somebody's life right now, you're going to be transformed by the revelation of the goodness of God that you're no longer going to work for your salvation. You're just going to rest in it. You're going to walk in it. You're not going to try to be approved anymore because you're going to understand you are approved. Worship team, just begin to play, begin to sing softly, whatever it is. I want everybody in this room to stand up. Doesn't matter if you're in a balcony. Doesn't matter if you're on the floor right now. I want you right now. If you're saying, I want my life to change by the revelation of God's goodness. I want my life to change right now by the revelation of God's goodness. I'm going to lay down my old self and I'm going to take up his. I'm going to take my identity in Christ. I'm going to begin to declare what he says that I am. I'm going to stop sourcing this salvation and I'm just going to receive it. If that's you right now, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You're in this room right now. It doesn't matter, teenagers. Come on, students. You've got a lot of life to live. You've got a lot of life to live. Come on. Come on. These altars are open. God is here. He wanted to, he's wanting to pour goodness into you. If you're in the balcony, we're going to wait on you. Come on down. Come on down. Right now, God's got something in store for you. Oh, don't hold back. This is not some separated message for somebody else. If you're sitting there right now saying, I'm not good enough to respond, you're exactly who God is after. You're the one the Lord's reaching out to. If you're in this place right now and you're saying, this message is for somebody else, then you're the one. You're the one. God is reaching out for. Lift your hands, child of God. Lift your hand all across this room. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you, Lord, today. Come on, church, these altars are open. These altars are open. If you're in this house, these altars are open. Oh, my God, I'm praying, Lord God. Please give them the courage. Please give them the strength, Lord God. Lord, don't let them leave and leave and live another day without you. Lord, let this day be their day. Let this day be their day. Give them the courage. Give them the confidence. Lord God, give it to them, Lord, right now. Oh, merciful God, mighty God, living Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I promise you I'm not going to bite you. I'm not going to eat you. God's got something in store for you. Come on, come on. There's freedom in this house. See, I'm tired of being in bondage. I want to be free. I want to be free today. Step out.